All right, so let's talk a little bit about the markets here. Welcome to Bull Bear Radio. Market pricing's nuts. Each week, we catch up with WBI's experts, Matt and Don Schreiber. Down 77%. You know what you need to recover from that? A miracle. WBI brings you wealth building market insights. Welcome to episode 99 of Bull Bear Radio, March 16th, day before St. Patty's Day. I wonder if there's any connection between the wild times that happen on St. Patty's Day and what this market is giving us. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by Psy, human advice paired with machine-optimized portfolios to meet your needs. And I understand we have some good news to share with everybody. Uh, a FinTech award has been just bestowed upon WBI Psy. And Matt, do you want to spend a minute just uh, sharing that information with the audience? Yeah, so uh, Psy has just been named Best Robo Advisory Platform for 2021 by FinTech Breakthrough Awards. So uh, congratulations to our whole team and everybody Whoa! who's helped work on the, uh, the development. And uh you know, hopefully we can make a move with this thing, you know, it's Help awesome, more people. man. I tell you what, you know, it's nice to be recognized. Uh, we do believe we have, you know, we believe that it's the best uh, uh, platform out there. Uh, you know, there were about uh, 3,850 uh, nominations across the uh, fintech uh, categories. There were about 90 or so uh, different awards given out across all of the different areas of fintech. Uh, this is only a fintech. Uh, uh, award-based um, uh, company. And uh, we are really stoked about this. I mean, we just couldn't be happier. Uh, we have a, uh, a, a, a leading breakthrough revolutionary uh, platform that helps investors and, and advisors. Um, we just couldn't be happier about it. So, uh, you know, if you haven't uh, joined the revolution, the Psy revolution yet, now is the time to join the revolution. Well, it indeed, indeed is exciting news. And I know uh, I in particular am, you know, very excited about what possibilities lay ahead for us. Uh, we've been talking to people for a long time about Psy and uh, now is the time to uh, take a look and see what is under the hood and what we can do to revolutionize your business. Uh, Matt, as always, what I'd like to do is if you could share just a few thoughts on uh, what's happened in the markets over the last week to 10 days, uh, and then we'll press on. So uh, generally speaking, uh, markets have been on the rise over the last week or so. Um, we, we went through a little bit of a, a rough patch for tech. Um, but, uh, you know, the last month now, value has outperformed growth uh, by a, a large margin, actually. Russell 1000 value up about 5% up about 10% on Russell 2000 value. Meanwhile, Russell 1000 growth is down almost 4%, 2000 growth really close to 5% as we uh, cut the episode here today. So, you know, last month or so, it's been more of a value trade. And, uh, 
you know, that the, the trend kind of has, has persisted. Today's been so far as we uh, are recording uh, a little bit more of a tech day. But, you know, I think being a little selective in tech and consumer discretionary is, uh, you know, worth it with uh, some stretched P.E. multiples in those sectors, uh, industrials, materials, as we've been speaking about, maybe financials, energy, healthcare, you know, a little bit better valuations there. So if you're looking to value shop, there's still a lot of value left out there. And, uh, you know, so so that's your market update in in uh you know just a couple minutes thanks matt Uh, we've been in such a uh, really a bear market for value for so long and uh you know recently you know value is uh taken its rightful place in terms of performing well uh for all the right reasons and and i would assume and, and don maybe you can add a little color to this uh are we just at the beginning uh, I mean, there, it seems to me there's a lot of room yet to grow. Well, there is a lot of room to grow. You know, we use uh, uh, PE multiples, which are price to earnings multiples, you know, to measure kind of uh, where stocks are generally and where the value is. Um, you know, the uh, value-based uh, stocks or indexes are in the uh, teens still in terms of PE multiples, uh, mid to high teens, uh, where the S&P 500, which is really – Uh, driven by the larger capitalization uh, weighted stocks like Apple, Microsoft, you know, the typical FANG type stocks has a trailing PE, not in the teens, but in the 40% 40s, you know, 40 times earnings, uh, 43.7 last time I heard uh, the update. Uh, So we're just about 44 times earnings. This is the highest trailing PE multiple for the S&P 500 in modern times. Back to the Great Depression times, the roaring 20s, this is it, you know? And um, so we've got a very, very highly, um, possibly very overvalued uh, growth and momentum type uh, stock market. And the value side has a lot of room uh, to run to catch up to that. I think that you know, we're going to get a squeeze here where uh, growth and momentum has been falling in price and uh, value stocks have been rising in price as this great rotation that we've been waiting for for the last, you know, five, six years uh, to happen started last October and is continuing here through, uh, you know, 2021, the beginning of the year. Uh, values kind of on a tear. The small and mid cap stocks are doing great. And, you know, we're getting some really great performance on dividend paying stocks generally for the first time in about 10 years, as you said, Rick, a long time. And so for, you know, many, many Americans that are in that, you know, retirement phase or close to retirement phase, the baby boomers who have a lot of capital invested and on the line, now's a great time to be an investor because these dividend paying stocks where you can get paid to wait. Um, for prices to appreciate, you can get a good level of income from these stocks, um, you know, are uh, selling at, you know, pretty attractive multiples. So I think that huh. there's probably, um, uh, you know, some real good room to run here in uh, 2021 for value-based stocks, uh, dividend-paying stocks. I think that there's plenty of room to the upside 
uh, before they start to even look close to overvalued. Um, you know, a, a, a typical, they're, they're really in the uh, average or typical PE range for stocks. They're not overvalued at all yet, um, but we're going to see hopefully uh, them appreciate in price quite a bit. and Maybe they'll get a little bit more juicy mm. in terms of their valuation. The dividend doctors in the house. The dividend well, doctor. Well, it, it's interesting because this morning I saw uh, a little uh, article about how retail sales have slipped a little bit. Uh, we know this past week they're starting to push out that 1.9 trillion in the COVID relief package. Uh, is the timing perfect on that uh, to where we're going to then see an uptick in, in retail spending because there's cash on the way? Yeah, well, one thing about that retail sales number is it, it uh, coincides, you know, uh, lat with last year's you know, stimulus packages the next couple of quarters, just as a time frame. So, you know, you have to take into consideration that February, we didn't quite have relief there yet, obviously, but that's coming. So these comparables are going to get tougher to beat, but this should line up that, uh, as you were saying, a little stimulus, maybe people spend a little bit more money here, uh, should be a good injection for uh, uh, retail sales and other segments of the marketplace as well. You know, one of the things that's really interesting to me, uh, Rick, you know, is that we've had uh, the Fed with their foot on the gas pedal, maximum monetary uh, policy stimulus for the last 10 years, essentially driving asset prices um, across every uh, asset class, uh, higher and higher and higher to essentially get the consumer to spend more money, this wealth effect spending, you know, if, if my uh, house is worth more money, if my, uh, you know, 401k is worth more, uh, my investment assets are worth more, I'm going to tend to spend more as a consumer. And that has been the Fed storybook for the last 10 years. And, you know, with the stimulus, this short term cash in the pocket type stimulus that the government has been throwing at the market, uh, in addition to the Fed's monetary policy, um, since the COVID crisis started, you know, that has maintained consumer spending. And that, you know, is essentially a template that's going to continue. We got $1.9 trillion of uh, spending support across the various sectors of the economy. Uh, consumers themselves are getting checks in the mailbox or money deposited directly to their accounts. And uh, I would expect consumer spending to uh, perk up and kind of skyrocket. Uh, and we're going to see a very strong short-term benefit there. Uh, I would imagine we could get a, a pickup in uh, inflation a little bit because we're going to get some uh, fairly strong growth numbers in the economy uh, from this. And um, we're getting uh, signs that, you know, they're going to start talking in Congress about I think a much more powerful form of stimulus, which is the infrastructure spending. Um, and it's really unfortunate. One of the things that I saw is uh, President Biden wants to raise taxes at the same time we're spending taxpayer money. This is all taxpayer money, fiscal stimulus, infrastructure spending, the stimulus packages that we put out. This is all taxpayer funded. And at the same time, we are committing all this money, 
President Biden wants to put the brakes on by raising taxes on corporations and individuals and essentially taking away a lot of the firepower that they're creating with this stimulus. I did see, though. That's that, crazy. I did see, though. Insane. That this might be 2022. So hopefully it it's it. You know, it could be passed maybe through the reconciliation process, uh, you know, but hopefully not. Hopefully it's 2022 or beyond, you know. So you, you got to think it's a little bit of a political hot potato here, right? If you raise taxes going into midterm elections, is that going to be popular? They're already a razor thin margin. So even though it was a campaign promise, I don't know if there's going to be an appetite there to get enough Democrats on board before midterms to raise taxes potentially i hope well, hope I we do. don't waste the firepower that's what i'm trying what to say we, what we need is you know we're going to get a, a huge lift in tax revenue if the economy starts to grow at like four or five at six four or five percent six year. seven percent ten which percent, it could which it very well could if they don't you know essentially handicap or kneecap themselves by uh, creating impediments to that growth. And this uh, tax package that, uh, you know, the administration is putting out there is absolutely wrong thinking. Well, it, it, it was interesting because I, the day before we saw the details on the Biden plan, uh, de Blasio, uh, the city of New York, state of New York, uh, it's almost like they're on the same page. A lot of the things that were in the Biden proposal uh, apply specifically to what they want to do in New York State in terms of raising uh, the state income tax, uh, a wealth tax. Uh, you know, they're almost in lockstep with what the Biden administration is uh, leaking out there that they want to do. Uh, let me ask you a question: Are are Yellen and Powell on the same page in, in terms of uh, Fed action? Uh, outlook, uh, what needs to be done uh, to get us through this and get the GDP numbers up? You know, I think that they are. Uh, so far, signs are that, you know, Yellen and Powell pretty pretty well aligned. I don't really think that's where the problem uh, lies. I think you're going to have, um, you know, the liberal bias that's in uh, the political system today about, you know, redistributing wealth is all, that, that that's what this whole, uh, package uh, on uh, tax increases about it's a redistribution of wealth. You know, it's interesting, Rick, you know, uh, you'll remember uh, Dr. Robert Goodman, who is an economist, leading economist. He was in the uh, Reagan administration, actually, as a, as one of the uh, economic advisors to Reagan. Reagan. Uh, he then uh, moved along to a couple of different uh, mutual fund companies and uh, ended his career as a uh, partner at uh, Putnam Funds. Um, but a really strong economist. And I remember back in the early 80s, he said, hey, listen, all you got to do is pay attention. He says, you never fight the Fed. So we have this tremendous stimulus going on and you don't want to fight the Fed here. But he said, I'll tell you, as soon as you get this idea of redistribution of wealth and when they're going to start raising taxes, that's when you want to get out of the way because that's really bad for equity prices. And you're going to see that essentially terminate like, you know, Schwarzenegger in uh, the Terminator movie going to terminate 
the uh, bull market trend that we have here and all this feeling good about asset prices. So I really hope that Matt's right and they have trouble uh, trying to pass this redistrib redistribution of wealth tax package because it makes absolutely no sense on top of as an impediment to the amount of capital that we're committing as a nation for future generations. We're no, bankrupting it, it, future generations to get stimulus, to get growth. And then we're going to have this idiotic redistribution of wealth. I, I don't mind raising taxes for the right reason. And they're going to have to let the economy run for a few more years at high growth rates to get the benefit that an, a, a fast growing economy will give us, which is a broad base increase in tax revenue. As it exists now with current rates, I, I I couldn't agree more because right now it 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 almost looks like using the excuse of the amount of money that is being funneled out of the treasury in relief packages, potential infrastructure bills, they're using that as an excuse, and and to me it seems punitive uh, rather than logical. But you know we shall see. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about inflation. Uh, we touched on it an episode or two ago. Uh, I saw that in New York City, gas prices are now around 440 a gallon. Uh, I live in Colorado. I've seen gas prices increase by 80 cents a gallon here. Uh, and Jeff Gundlach uh, came out the other day and said it would not surprise him if he saw inflation around 4% if we don't get things under control. Uh, I have a lot of respect for Gundlach. What does he know or what's he thinking about uh, that is causing him to uh, make a statement like that? Uh, you know, uh, I think you see that energy prices are up a bit. Um, you know, there's been a little bit of talk about uh, gas tax and stuff like that or taxes on uh, you know, mileage for, for, you know, travel, um, and stuff like that. So anyway, I mean, uh, there could be more inflation in regards to energy prices, especially if the economy heats up over the short term here. So, um, you know, inflation could get real. You see it in forest products too. So, you know, home builders have had double digit, uh, increases in lumber, and other building materials. So the cost for building a home and then acquiring said home is gonna go up. And at the same time, you're gonna have interest rates potentially creep higher over the next you know, three to five years as well. So um, that's gonna be challenging. And, and that could be a challenge for growth as well with rising prices all around. Um, you know, it, it'll make things less affordable for people which could stunt growth. And at the same time, you may have higher taxes. So you have higher cost of goods, you have higher taxes. These things could be a tax for real economic growth. And that's a problem when, when we've come through such a, a dangerous time frame here with uh, shutdowns due to COVID. Uh, business is really struggling. They're talking about having the corporate tax rate go back up to 28%, maybe even higher. Uh, trying to bring and penalize 
you know, companies for moving uh, revenues offshore. Um, maybe there will be a tax holiday to bring some of that back as there was a few years ago. But, you know, th- there's a lot of things that are risky relative to very high prices, weak fundamentals. And, you know, could there be uh, great growth potential? Yes, there could be. But there's there's some things on the horizon here, like inflation, cost of goods going higher. It could really stunt growth. You know, I, I kind of uh, have a, a different viewpoint on this whole thing. Oh, um, yep. Uh, you know, I think Gunlock uh, and the rest of the folks that are beating the tom-tom on uh, inflation as a problem, again, they got this wrong, right? Inflation is not a yep. problem. Inflation's a benefit right now. We have been through the last 10 years since the financial crisis. We have been stuck, mired in deflation. We have not had any inflation to speak of. The Fed has been confounded by not being able to get the inflation rate up. Not only the Fed, but all of the central bankers around the world. You can't find inflation, right? Deflation is a really big problem. It's called depression. You know, that's when the economy fails the people that it's trying to serve. We don't want deflation. Inflation is only a problem if you get hyperinflation like we had in the late 60s and early 70s. I don't see hyperinflation as a problem at all. I do hope that we get a pickup in inflation, and I would not be surprised if we do, based on all of the stimulus that's floating around, we do want the economy start to grow, and we do want it, you know, uh, a pickup in business activity, which should lead to a little bit higher prices. That is not a problem. It's temporary. We're still in a very low inflationary environment. The absolute collapse of many sectors of the economy due to COVID has yet to be felt because of all the stimulus that we have. But, you know, there that's a deflationary bias that was pushed into our system. Many companies have failed or will fail. Um, we're going to have less people employed very hard to get people reemployed. I don't think we're going to have what is typical that causes a problem is wage and price inflation combined. I don't see that happening anytime soon. Um, and I think that we have to be really careful as investors not to be thinking with an old mindset about the 70s inflation problem, you know, and everybody's scared to death of rising inflation. The Fed can stomp out inflation so easily. They know exactly how to do it. They did it in the 80s and the 90s. There is no problem there. That is easy to deal with compared to this deflationary cycle that we've been in. Look at the amount of stimulus and capital that we've committed since um, 2009 to try to recover from the financial crisis and then the COVID crisis. I mean, you're talking about probably 20, maybe $25 trillion that we've spent or will spend. And it's just unbelievable to me uh, that people are worried about a boogeyman that we laid to rest. We put in the grave, stuck him in the crypt. He ain't coming back. Inflation is not the boogeyman that it once was. That's uh, that's a very interesting take, and I I would tend to agree, you know, with your thought process there. Uh, 
let's take a look quickly because I'm not sure if or what the impact is of this recent border surge, uh, the migration from the Central American countries coming here into the United States at a time when we do have a significant amount of people unemployed, uh, is there, other than the politics associated with it, is that potentially going to be a negative impact? Uh, to what we're having to deal with to get the economy back on track. Uh, your thoughts on that? I, I you know, I, I think that when you have a uh, country and an economy where people prosper, you're always going to have uh, people who want to come here. And I guess one of the great things about America and one of the things that will happen with this stimulus and the fiscal stimulus that I hope uh, comes along is that the economy will start growing faster and faster. Um, with fiscal stimulus, we get a broadening of the economic activity in the um, economy. We'll have, you know, a uh, 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 jobs that are um, maybe suck up some of the more jobs. Yeah, more jobs that'll that'll be available for those folks who come into the country. I think that making sure that we have legal immigration. And folks that are in the system paying taxes is probably the key component of, you know, allowing people to come into the country. I think that, you know, allowing people to come here and, and uh, benefit from the economic system and the health system uh, without, you know, uh, paying their fair share of taxes is problematic. Other than that, uh, my attitude is we need the workers. We're going to continue to need more and more workers, both skilled and not so skilled to uh, take up the uh, excess capacity we're going to create with this tremendous economic boom that I think is going to happen over the next 10 years. As long as, as long as the, uh, you know, we don't have stupid policy. Well, let, let's hope that that uh, isn't on the horizon for us, the stupid policy side of it. Um, in our last episode, we, talked a little bit about capture ratio uh, or uh, as Matt uh, likes to refer to it as uh, the CPR. Uh, could we maybe spend a minute talking to the audience about why that's important, uh, why it's important to understand what that can mean for somebody uh, on a portfolio basis? having a very positive CPR? Yeah, well, you know, uh, you want to get more upside, generally speaking, than you do downside relative to the market. You know, the market, S&P 500, you can get tremendous upside returns and you can have, you know, very devastating losses at the same time. Markets go up, markets go down. So the one thing you can use is uh, capture ratios to try and identify how an investment's uh, an investment acts relative to the market. And you kind of want an asymmetrical outcome, more upside than you do downside. You get more upside than you do downside, you're going to compound capital efficiently. And that's what the that's what the name of the game is. So, you know, we believe very strongly and not, you know, we hear all this, uh, you know, talk about uh, the average active manager doesn't outperform the benchmark. Well, let's not find the average active manager. Number one, let's let's find, you know, above average. But more importantly, 
above average is not necessarily as important as more upside than downside because re- returns are only a part of the equation. It's a sequence of returns that matters, right? So, and how that impacts your capital. If you're down 10%, you need 11% to get back to even and making money again, right? If you're down 40%, like the S&P 500 does, you know, every few years, down 40%, you need 67% to get back to even. And that takes some time. Typically, it just doesn't happen overnight. So you want to try and find things that are uh, out there that uh, can help you to get more upside than downside. What's the best way to do that in in terms of how you analyze a portfolio? Is, Is it passive all passive? Is it a combination of active and passive? Or is it active only in terms of selection of management styles? Well, you know, uh, passive index, right? If it's S&P 500 is, uh, you know, a one-to-one correlation uh, with the S&P 500. Once you start to delve into sectors of the S&P 500, you're going to start to have some up market capture dynamics and downside capture dynamics relative to the index that's different. And so what you want to find, and that's just a, still a passive sector-based type of approach, but it'll have a different risk profile, a different return profile. There's also active indexes too. So, uh, you know, ETFs come in a lot of different flavors some uh, also are truly active. And then you have, you know, mutual funds that are either passive. You can have an index-based mutual fund or active. And you want to blend all of these things together. But generally speaking, more upside than downside wins the day. And so uh, I, I use a little bit of everything. And by the way, I mean, that's that's exactly what uh, the best uh, robo-advisory platform is designed to do is trying to find those investments right uh, inside, uh, you know, that uh, get more upside than they do downside. So that's what the, that that's what we try to do. And that's one reason why I think we won, you know, best robo advisory platform, the, the portfolio outcomes and how we use math to our advantage to try and build portfolios at risk or return profiles is a difference maker, we feel. So if you're trying to do it alone at home, you know, you can take what I'm saying here and try and do it by yourself. But I think there's, you know, other people out there who can help you. Yeah, you know, uh, Rick, you asked, uh, how what's the best way to go about um, analyzing this? Well, the best way to go about analyzing it is to uh, use Psy. You know, we built Psy, uh to create a quantitative, and quantitative is a fancy word for mathematics, quantitative approach, mathematical approach, um, very advanced uh, mathematical algorithmic approach where we're uh, looking for those managers who have more up market and less down market combined with, you know, higher returns, um, less downside uh, risk potential, and um, we're screening the entire product universe uh, that's out there, you know, 30,000 plus uh, managers and products. And by doing so, you know, we can find those products or managers that have very 
uh, strong up and down mar market uh, capture dynamics, as you said earlier, CPR. Um, we think that most investors' portfolios need a little CPR, <laughs> right? I, I, I like it. A little you know? resuscitation. Yeah, you know, they need a, 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 a uh, you know, uh, some CPR. And uh, by using this approach uh, that we have, um, we can build very powerful portfolios that work better over time. It's real pretty simple. You know, if you have a, um, you know, a portfolio that is, uh, you know, goes down 10% in bear market, it's easy to overcome that loss. And the bull market returns of the market are very powerful. And you're going to not only catch back up to where you were with the 10% loss, but you're going to, you know, get a really strong growth of capital and gains. If you're down 50%, which is a typical uh, bear market drop for the equity indexes, um, it, it'll take you a long time and you end up using an awful lot of the return you need a hundred percent return to overcome a 50% loss that hundred percent return. You're using up a lot of the bull market gains just to get back to even, and you haven't even gotten, um, you know, a, a real return on investment yet. And that's one of the reasons why over the last 20 or so years, the S and P 500 has had, uh, a, only a, a 6% or so, uh, average rate of return. And it's because of the two big bear market loss periods that are there. Over the last 10 years, without the bear markets, the uh, rate of return on the S&P is very high. But, you know, over a period, over a person's lifetime, they're going to incur two or three or more uh, bear market cycles. And the key to investing success is take small losses, get decent gains, and compound more effectively uh, by doing so. Well, it, well, well said, Donnie. And, and the reference to CPR for your portfolio, you can look at Psy as the kind of crash cart available to resuscitate you if you box yourself into a corner and you've overreached for unreasonable returns and you want a little more stability. Uh, that brings us to a wrap on episode 99. It's hard to believe our next episode will be episode 100, uh, which is a fitting way to cap off our recent award. And we look forward to speaking to you all again in the near future. Take care from the folks at Bull Bear Radio. Past performance does not guarantee future results. The views presented are those of the podcast participants and should not be construed as investment advice. Podcast participants or clients of WBI may own stocks discussed in this recording. All economic and performance information is historical and not indicative of future results. This is not an offer to buy or sell any security. No security or strategy, including those referred to directly or indirectly, is suitable for all accounts or profitable all of the time, and there is always the possibility of loss. You should not assume that any discussion or information provided here serves as a substitute for personalized investment advice from WBI or any other 
investment professional. If you have questions regarding the applicability of specific issues discussed to your individual situation, please consult with WBI or your chosen professional advisor. This information is compiled from sources believed to be reliable. Accuracy cannot be guaranteed. WBI's advisory operations services and fees are in the form ADV available upon request. You are not permitted to publish, transmit, or otherwise reproduce this information in whole or in part in any format to any third party without the express written consent of WBI Investments, Inc.